Hi, my name is Sarah Yonke. I am the CEO and co-founder of Home Court. And what I love about beauty is beauty is indulgent. It's a little luxury that elevates your everyday, helping everyone look good, smell good, and feel good. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. On today's episode of Beauty Is Your Business, we are buzzing about creating a new category. And what we love about this category is it's really at the intersection of fragrance, beauty, and home cleaning and home care. I'm Denise Dente, your co-host for today. Hi, Jess. How are you? I am good. Hi, Denise. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Nice to see you guys. Denise, this is a fun conversation for sure about this intersection of beauty, fragrance, and home care. We haven't really delved into this yet. I know. When we met Sarah, I think it was, I don't know, six months ago or so at Founder Made, we fell absolutely in love with her, the story of the brand. Then we got our hands on the product and fell in love with the product. So it's great to have you, Sarah. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So Sarah, we want to first go into this conversation around the genesis of the brand and your background. I think today's conversation is going to be really rich because you come from legacy. Now you have a startup with a celebrity attached to it and creating a new category. So I have a feeling this conversation today is going to be really rich. Can you take us through kind of the genesis of the brand and a little about your background? Definitely. I'll start with my background and how I kind of fell in love with the beauty and fragrance industry. So I would say my beauty journey started as a kid. I was a dancer growing up and I learned how to do makeup as early as the fifth grade, applying false lashes for dance competitions. (laughs) And throughout middle school, high school and college was just a, a big beauty consumer. I actually worked in the fragrance department at Lord and Taylor during Christmas breaks in college, helping people shop for Christmas gifts. But ultimately, after my undergraduate degree, I started my career in management consulting, not in the beauty industry. I actually mostly worked with airline clients. So for the first few years out of undergrad working in consulting, I did know I wanted to go back to business school. And I knew from my work experience that I definitely wanted to work on something I was passionate about. And for me, that I realized that that was beauty because, again, you'd always find me at the beauty counter. I remember loving when Space NK opened at Bloomingdale's and I'd spend a lot of time looking at all of the indie brands that they had curated. So when I went to business school, I decided I wanted to enter the beauty industry, wound up at L'Oreal Post Business School. I started as the chief of staff for the president of International Designer Collections. So that was a portfolio of brands like Armani, YSL, Ralph Lauren, Maison Margiela. And I helped that division open up all pop-up retail. So helped open about seven pop-up shops and experiential shopping events in 2017. And also helped those luxury brands explore newer sales channels like Ulta and assisted self-service that they weren't currently in. And then I was promoted to the head of marketing of Victor and Rolf and Parenza Schooler Fragrances. So I was in that role for about three years, helping lead the U.S. business. 
And so during the pandemic, that was my third year in that role with Victor and Rolf. And I think a lot of people were reflecting on what was important to them. And it was a moment for everyone to reflect and think about what do they want to be doing next? And for me, what that helped me realize was two things. One is that I was eager to leave New York City, where I had been living to work for L'Oreal. And I also was just having some curiosity about leaving big corporate for something earlier stage. And so I started networking and I met a venture studio called Joby Brands. They are a family office that has invested in consumer brands before, but wanted to start talent-led brands. And they had a personal connection with Courtney Cox. And as it turns out, Courtney loves fragrance. She mixes her own oils to make her own perfume. She also studied architecture before becoming an actress. So she, in addition to fragrance, she has a passion for architecture and design. And so Joby introduced me to Courtney just to talk about business ideas. And one of the first things that she was really interested in blending her love of home design, architecture and fragrance, we were talking about candles. And I knew from being at L'Oreal that the home fragrance market in particular was on fire. It was exploding. It was going so well. And so a candle was a really great entry point and start of our conversation. But when we were doing the brand and discovery process for this candle product, we started to think about, well, how do we make this an even bigger brand, a larger idea, a longer term business? And, you know, again, we were both living through the pandemic, spending more time at home, realizing what products we were using even more than before. I had found this survey that 57% of Americans view cleaning as an act of self-care. But from you know our own personal experience, the household product category today is so mass, commoditized, utilitarian. And so we really saw an opportunity to disrupt this category with a luxury beauty brand philosophy and, and really define a new category that we call home care. Wow, that is an amazing journey. I would definitely like to dive into... The idea of, okay, so you're sitting at the table, you've got this great group of investors, you've got Courtney yourself with your expertise, and you're thinking about how to go into this space of the home care and combining it with beauty and fragrance. What were some of those first steps that you took? Did you already know the manufacturers you wanted to work with, or were you really starting at base zero? It was definitely starting at base zero, blank slate. The first thing we did was we worked on the fragrances because we knew no matter what product format we were going to enter, we needed a fragrance that was kind of our number one differentiator. So we started by Courtney gathering, you know, all of the oils that she used for her personal fragrance, uh, which now has become CC, our best-selling fragrance. So we would, we, I knew the fragrance houses from my time at L'Oreal. So we, I reconnected with them and sent them, you know, we started to brief them on the scents that inspired Courtney sending them some of the benchmarks that she used. And that was the start of the creation process. And Courtney has been so hands-on in, you know, she's my co-founder and she has really been the creative visionary for this brand. And when I say hands-on, I, I mean, physically hands-on. She even used a pottery wheel to make our first prototype for the candle vessel. And what I love about Courtney is when we're doing product development and creative meetings, she's always gathering inspiration from just even around her home. She'll be like, I'll be right back. And she'll go and grab an olive oil bottle, which, you know, inspired the look and feel of our, our bottles, or, you know, I really love this product or this fragrance. And she's just so involved and has really brought all of her inspiration into the brand. 
The fragrances are truly amazing. I've had the opportunity to smell all of them and use them. I frankly get a little jealous of my countertops and dishes. I feel like they get to have a spa experience when they are bathing in the products. They smell amazing. And I think that that's when we talk about kind of a category disruptor. We expect candles to smell great. What you don't expect is a counter spray or a soap, a dish soap to smell amazing. That kind of sector of the business has been led predominantly by chemical companies. And I think we've been trained in many ways that it's expected to smell chemical. And so how did you kind of go about breaking that mold and thinking about that? Definitely. And and what's funny is if it's not a chemical smell, it's sometimes like a pine smell or some other sort of fragrance that doesn't smell good still. So when we were early days, we would kind of laugh and be like, somebody did invent this pine smelling thing. And if they're already putting fragrance in it, why does it have to be so bad? Why can't we bring a niche perfumery style and raw materials into this to really elevate? Again, coming out of the pandemic even more so, we're washing our hands more than ever. I don't know if you've used our, I think you have used my hand soap and it truly is like a hand perfume and the scent kind of follows you throughout the day. So it's another way to add fragrance into your life. So that's what we thought about. We thought about some of these chemical smells, these pine smells, they're already in there. How do we, how do we elevate and and approach it again? Like with the style of perfumery that we were seeing in candles, it is true that we are using precious raw materials that are typically reserved for eau de parfum. That is why our products are so high quality and also demand the price point that they're at, that prestige price point, because truly you are spraying your counters and washing your hands with fine fragrance. So it's such a fun new way of thinking about this category and fragrance, of course, being a big part of it. And obviously the time um, that you were starting it post-COVID with everybody cleaning more and washing their hands more, all good things. So now you've launched the brand and you're getting into the market. How were those first few months? How was it pitching to retailers or talking to even consumers and this concept of, hey, we're going to bring high fragrance into your home in a beautiful way that allows you to really enjoy the aspect of cleaning and the after effects Walk us through some of those early conversations. I'm so curious how people responded in the beginning and if it's changed at all in the year or two years you've been here. Well, I really think the market was ready for an elevated product and brand in this category. Again, what I was seeing in the market at L'Oreal was that category premiumization, which is what was driving growth. So the fragrance market's growing and it's because of the top of the market and the higher price point and higher more niche, fine style of perfumery that's driving it. So I knew the market was ready for this. What was really important when we were building this brand, not only was to elevate the fragrance and the look and feel of the product. So, you know, our products are very countertop worthy. You're no longer hiding your surface spray underneath. You're keeping it out. You're using it more. But was also important to address being clean and non-toxic and also having sustainable packaging. So when we talk about what our home court advantage is and what differentiates our products, it's not just that they have fine fragrance, they look good on your counter, but also that we worked with skincare chemists to develop our custom formulas to clean beauty standards. So they're non-toxic, vegan, cruelty-free, and also dermatology tested and approved. And then from a packaging standpoint, we wanted to max out recycled content. 
We do not believe in glass necessarily. We just think it's a bit dangerous when it's next to the sink. So our approach is, well, we're going to use plastic, but how do we make sure we're not using any virgin materials? And so we use 100% post-consumer recycled materials in our plastic and also even our unit cartons and even the labels on the box are all 100% post-consumer recycled. So all of that to say, we have a lot of messages to share with our customers. And I don't even know if we've mentioned all of them yet, or I think the early customers and the retailers are mostly engaging on the fragrance and the look of the product, but we have so much more to talk about. And speaking of so much more to talk about, we talked in the beginning about the fact that you partnered with Courtney Cox on this and how having a talent-led brand is another differentiator. So I'm curious to lean into that a little bit. You went into some detail about some of the things that Courtney has done for the brand, but I am curious about how do you continue to leverage that? What is her involvement continued to be after the brand has launched? Because I think that that's one area that people are curious about is how involved are these talent-led brands and how do you leverage everything that they bring to the table? Definitely. Well, I think it's really important to point out, you know, Courtney and the investors knew each other before I even came into the picture. So she truly is the founder of the brand and the reason why we're all here today. And I think Courtney and I were, again, an amazing partner match to bring a new concept to life. So Courtney is a founder. She is an owner of the business. She also has invested money into the business. So truly, this is her passion her baby, if you will. And she is, again, very involved day-to-day creatively in product, but also helps promote the brand on her social media. Whenever she's um, in the press, she mentions Home Court. She was actually on Jimmy Kimmel Live last week, and there's a really cute segment where a, a viral TikTok baby rated our candles. Luckily, the baby approved three out of the four <laughs> fragrances. And we're just so grateful that because Courtney's so passionate about this, she talks about it organically. Her friends also organically love the brand. We get a lot of support from her peers and her network, not only just talking about the product, posting about the product, but even purchasing the product as paying customers. So we have so much support because Courtney's so well-liked and loved. And you know everyone sees that Home Court is an innovative brand, a disruptive brand, and also so authentic to Courtney. And they can tell how involved and passionate she is about it and want to support her. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. We talk about this a lot. I know, you know Denise, jump in here too, because this is, we talent-led brands right now are the big thing. We've seen a lot come on the market, especially in the last three years. And That's the big takeaway is you've got this great powerhouse, somebody that can drive engagement, someone that can create more customers, but then really how does that translate to the marketplace? And when we look at a lot of them that haven't been successful, I really do wonder it's how involved that talent was from the beginning. Does it really look like they are authentically attached to this? So I think you bring up some good points that just because there's a talent behind it doesn't mean that it's just going to happen. That person has to really authentically be into that brand and and the customer knows it. They see it from the beginning. I think that is a really interesting piece for anyone looking to start a brand or think about, hey, I've got a brand. Do I find a influencer, an ambassador, a celebrity, somebody to help me kind of bring this to life? It's one of those first things you have to really think about is, is that person going to be a true, genuine partner or is it really just the face? 
Exactly. And I think that, again, that's why it's so important that Courtney was a part of this from the beginning. And she had to hire me, right? She had to pick me. So this is all her vision and, and her passion. And I think it is definitely important. In addition to having an authentic celebrity and partnership laid out from the beginning, I also think product quality is really important because sometimes a celebrity brand can be seen as a cash grab, if you will, for, for certain celebrities. It's like, oh, they just want to put their name on a product and see what happens. No, you really need a good product. And, and I'm really proud that the home court products are speaking for themselves. We've won six awards so far. I was really excited about winning Allure Best of Beauty last year for our Steep Droz tray set. We also won a good housekeeping award. And then we're getting, uh, we're seeing 94% five-star reviews on our products. And that makes Courtney and I both so proud. Again, people are loving the product in addition to the, the brand and the fact that she's involved. You still have to do the hard work, right? You still can't just sit back and rely on a talent-led brand to stick and stay and thrive. You obviously have done a lot of groundwork yourself. And I am curious talking about how you've gone from kind of a legacy brand where you have a lot of people, you have a lot of research, you have a lot of resources at your fingertips to now really a startup. And what does that look like? And how has your uh, day, week, month changed since moving from corporate legacy? Oh, yes. It's very different. I like to to say that I feel like my job changes every six months. So that means I've already had about four and a half jobs just working on home court because (laughs) as an early stage company, things change and grow so fast. So the skill sets are totally different. So the first six months were much more discovery, obviously fragrance development, packaging development, some market research. And then it was all about pre-launch, building the brand campaign, building the website out. Then we launched and it was about six months into launch. That's when we turned on paid media. So again, things move so fast and I definitely have my hands in all parts of the business. I have a coach, which I recommend to all entrepreneurs and founders. And I was telling her, I was like, I think I've entered the HR masterclass phase of <laughs> or, or level <laughs> of this experience that, you know, I'm starting to think about hiring more team members, the org structure, all of those types of things. And so- I am learning so much. That's actually one of the elements that helped me take this risk, leaving legacy and doing a startup. I obviously was so excited and thrilled to have this opportunity, but it always is scary taking the leap away from legacy, away from big corporate and all the benefits and structure and and resources that they have. But I talked to another friend who was a founder and he said, you know, to help me make this decision again. Now, I can't believe it's over two and a half years ago where are you going to learn more? And by the way, I learned a ton at L'Oreal and I love L'Oreal. There's a lot to learn there, but I did know that going to a startup, again, HR, insurance policies, taxes, (laughs) kind of (laughs) other things that other departments would touch, supply chain even, I'm learning all of that. And so that's what helped me take that leap into entrepreneurship. Well, I want to pick your brain a little bit leading into this HR masterclass What was that catalyst for you that said, okay, was it a certain revenue number? Was it a certain amount of tasks per day that decided, hey, I think we're ready to hire the next, kind of bring the next set of employees in? And how are you thinking about what departments you are starting to build out? So I think that as a startup, you do have to manage your cash flow. And so when we were first starting out, it was important to us 
keep some optionality, if you will. And I don't mean that as that people are disposable in any way. I just mean that things grow and change. And so you're going to need to have a flexible team. And it is true that it's easier to be to flex up and flex down with consultants and agencies than it is to have full-time employees. However, now that we're at the point where we've been in the market for just over a year, we're seeing traction and we need to grow. It's really important to build a culture to have people fully dedicated, living and breathing the brand on a day-to-day basis. And again, with a physical product brand, I think being in person at least once a month, if not more, is super important. Courtney and I did a lot of the development over Zoom actually before I moved to LA. But whenever we are in person together, things just flow so much easier. And, and I noticed that for my team as well, when we're, we can touch and feel different packaging, we can actually place things on a shelf and see how they look, we're still managing cash flow and growth, trying to grow sustainably. But I think we're just reaching that next level where it's going to be really important to build a team that's fully dedicated and ready to grow this brand together. And what are your thoughts around some of this growth? We know that D2C, certainly during COVID times, was big and everybody was getting everything delivered to their house and their homes, which is obviously a perfect place to start when you're launching a brand during that period. But how are you looking at the brand from a channels of distribution standpoint? And where are your thoughts in that direction? Yeah, so we're primarily D2C right now, as you mentioned. We are at Violet Gray, which is a website as well as has one brick and mortar store on Melrose Place. And then we did do a pop-up series with Jenny Kane Home last year. That was an amazing partnership and collaboration because first of all, our brand aesthetics really flow together. And so it was very easy to just pop into their stores, not have to do a whole build out and really blend into their stores and Their client is definitely our client and target customer as well. So as a fragrance first brand, it is very important that we have more in-person experiences. So our plan definitely is to grow into an omni-channel brand going forward, being on both D2C and brick and mortar. We will continue to have pop-up shops with Jenny Kane this year, exploring opening more independent boutiques, so specialty beauty and home stores at a more local level, and then also talking with larger retail partners for a broader, more national rollout in the future. And then I think that, you know, we are disrupting a category. And so sometimes entering into retail, it could be hard. In today's world, as the marketplace currently stands, sometimes the buyer for candles is different than the buyer or merchant for hand soap. And then certainly surface spray is not currently in a lot of these stores, right? So it's important that when we do do a retail partnership that we express the brand as one. And because that takes some time, I think that you might, you know, we might go down a freestanding store path before we're able to really display ourselves fully in in retail and really own our brand expression that way. Yeah, I think that is so fascinating because we've seen a couple times, at least in my career where there's a disruption and you're trying to get the market to think about the products differently. So not approaching the buyer per se for foot care, but approaching the buyer for beauty because of where your products sit, it takes some time. So kind of interested and fascinated in this space of home care, because you're absolutely right. I mean, dish soap and surface spray is not going to sit next to hand cream. How are you approaching those conversations with retailers or even the pop-up space that says, 
here's how we want to be displayed. How are you explaining that? And then how are you getting to a point and compromising even of putting your products on shelf? Well, at Home Court, we like to call what we do scentscaping. So scentscaping is the idea that you can interior landscape your home with fragrance. And so we really view fragrance as a part of your interior design and decoration. So that's actually why all of our product formats come in all four fragrances. You'll notice with other fragrance brands, sometimes there's a hand soap in one fragrance, a candle in another. We at Home Court believe if you love a fragrance, you should be able to use it throughout your home and your life in many different formats. So that's one of the ways that we explain why it's important to carry all formats and all fragrances. And then the other thing that I truly believe that, again, it might take the market a little while to catch up to, but especially with that insight I mentioned earlier, that 57% of Americans view cleaning as an act of self-care. To me, home care and home products are that next category in the beauty industry. The same way that supplements, wellness, even sexual products were not available in beauty stores and they are today, I truly believe you will be buying your dish soap and surface spray, especially if it has fine fragrance and clean beauty ingredients <laughs> in beauty stores like Sephora and Ulta, Blue Mercury, et cetera, in the future. Well, I hope so because one, I love shopping at those stores, a beauty junkie like yourself, and it would be wonderful to have more of that shopping experience where I can pick up more things within that category. So I know just being a consumer, that would be a wonderful experience. So thinking of your consumer, I'm sure after you've launched the brand D2C, you've got some good data on who your consumer is. And that might be why you went in the direction you did with a pop-up in a different kind of retailer. So let's kind of pivot the conversation to who you feel like this consumer is that is willing and interested in this category and might be an early adopter to the brand initially. I have our data on our customer, but I think I'll, I'd rather describe how they think about things and what else is in their home. And so I think that our customer is truly, she is a prestige beauty consumer. So she's already has the prestige skincare, fragrance, hair care, makeup in her bathroom, in her home. Yet at her sink, she might have had a Mrs. Myers dish soap. And so, you know, what's funny is I would be on Zillow sometimes and I'd see like a $5 million home and then there's a Mrs. Myers um, or Dawn dish soap and it's something just doesn't fit in. And I think especially as consumers today have spent more time in their homes, everything is curated about the rest of their lifestyle. And now they can elevate these home and household products that they use every day as well. And it will fit in to their overall aesthetic in a better way. So I think that aesthetics design is very important to our customer, as well as high quality products. So thinking about this customer and this more premium, and I think you used the word premiumization at the beginning of the, the talk, but thinking about that customer, how are your marketing strategies different as you look in this space? You know, this isn't the Mrs. Meyer space. This is a more premium what are some of those marketing strategies to attract that right customer to find your product? Great question. And I think our main differentiator there is how we approach customer service and customer experience. So our customer experience team is called the concierge. So right off the bat, if you have a question about home court or you wonder where your package is, you are not interacting with a customer service rep. You are interacting with our concierge team. And we really try to have that VIP client service feel throughout every step of the way with our brand. 
that's something that I definitely picked up on from working with brands like Armani and YSL at L'Oreal. Learned a lot about how to treat your clients, make them feel special and taken care of. And in addition to just having the concierge be our customer service, we've even expanded that into a gift concierge as well. So during the holiday season, people were able to interact with us offline by a phone call or, a, or an email but not necessarily having to place orders on the website. They were able to interact with one of our concierge team members directly and place all of their Christmas or holiday gifts in one one order in a, in a more personal way. You mentioned earlier in the conversation about social and how involved Courtney is with social and the impact that that's having on your business. Can we explore that a little bit and some of the strategies that you're using there to grow the business and get the word out from an awareness standpoint? Yes, we aim to develop a lot of different types of content. So when you go to our website, you're going to see kind of the top of the brand pyramid, um, the most beautiful images that are professionally shot in the studio and really express our brand. But then you'll also see on Courtney's Instagram feed, a really hilarious reel where she's being her true comedic self. And the most recent one for room deodorant, our room deodorant launch, she superimposed herself into movies like The Mask (laughs) or um, Home Alone and was spraying the room deodorant. And that is just so her and so true to her. And so it's funny, those things are kind of juxtaposed, but we need them all because While we are a prestige elevated brand, we don't take ourselves too seriously, especially with Courtney as the founder. And and so I think it's really cool that we create a lot of different types of content to express our brand. So my takeaway, right, is that yes, you may have a lane that you're in and what represents the brand, but you can't be afraid to have personality and let people see the, you know, we used to call it like scenes of the kitchen. It's that here's who we really are too. And so you get the full view of the brand, not just this very curated, very high level piece. And I think for any new brand starting out, don't be afraid to try different things that maybe seem wacky compared (laughs) to what you've done or a little bit offbeat, especially in the social space, because that is where your personality can come out. And people then are attracted to that. Love you, love your brand, love your product. Definitely. Well, I know that we want to allow people to reach out to you or get familiar with the brand. I do know that Home Court is just a fabulous product to use. So I hope people will go and check out the website and then try the product because it is a game changer. But Sarah, if they do want to reach out to you or the brand, how can they do that? Definitely. Our Home Court Instagram is simply at Home Court. And then my personal Instagram is my name, Sarah Yonke. So at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H-J-A-H-N-K-E. Well, thank you so much for the time, Sarah, for walking us through this beautiful brand and really sharing your insights and expertise, both as a beauty executive, but also with a talent-led brand and a startup and an entrepreneur. Thank you so much. We look forward to a lot of our listeners reaching out to you. Thank you. Me too. This was really fun and excited to continue interacting with everyone. Well, I can't wait to see some really exciting home care products in my beauty selection. I'm with Denise. I think it would be a really great experience. So thank you for continuing to change our industry. Thank you. And if you want to keep buzzing with us, head on over to buzzbeauty.com. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. 
and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.